When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Want to say hello to everybody watching the show tonight. We are in prime time at 7 p.m. for this Wednesday edition of the podcast. What up to the Pewter people that are watching? We got a fun topic ahead for this evening. We're going to talk about the Bucks off-season stars. Now, understandably, we do have a little bit of time until training camp gets going. So we're going to look back a little bit on OTA's mini camp, uh, everything that we saw from there, a couple guys that dominated on the field, a couple guys that we felt crushed their uh, press conferences as well. So people that um, are hitting their stride going into training camp, a couple guys to talk about, and just your overall Bucks conversation as well. We will answer questions from the fans too. So I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me, my fellow colleague at PewterReport.com. Check out all of his YouTube videos that he's been putting up on said YouTube channel. It is James Hill. James, loving the background that you got. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Happy to kind of debut the new background here on the live stream. Uh, I've, I've already had it in a couple of videos, so you know, it's already been a part of what I've been doing here on the channel. But yeah, really happy to debut this. Happy to be on for another episode of the Peter Report podcast. And, you know, as always, Matt, ready to talk about some uh, Buccaneers football, man. Should be a lot of fun today. It's always a great time to talk about Buccaneers football, but especially in prime time, because the past couple seasons, we've gotten a lot of Bucks in prime time. This year, not as much. We do have a Monday night football game, which uh, will really prove where the Bucs are at because they go up against the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in that one, the reigning uh, NFC champions. And, of course, a Thursday night game against the Buffalo Bills. So not easy in primetime for the Bucs, but this show will be very easy going, and we appreciate everybody watching. Jason Chambers says, go Bucks and Pewter Report. Go Jason Chambers. Thank you very much. Donnie says, what up, player? Wayne saying, go Bucks." Clack five white saying evening to all. <laughs> Donnie says, James, I need your signature jersey, playa. Um, James, do you are you willing to sign autographs for the Peter people if they ask for it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just happy to be a part of the community, man. We're we're all just hanging out talking about the Bucks. That's the best part about it. So yeah, sure, man. No, no worries with that. I, I got you, Donnie. Uh, before we get into some of the players that uh, you know, really impressed us during the off season. Charles Scott does have a question, something that we've addressed before, but I'm happy to address it again. Uh, we'll actually start with you, James. Charles Scott asks, uh, are we as bad as the national pundits think? Well, what's your opinion on that, James? No, I mean, you know, I think that me and you have even talked about this, Matt, we about have. some of the disrespect that the Bucks have been getting um, in, in terms of national media and whatnot. It's not really the case if you take a deep dive into what this team has been doing throughout this offseason. They're still in a win-now mode. They're still trying to win football games. This isn't a team. Look, look, we've seen teams, Bucks teams, that have been bad in the past, right? Yes, like, we like, have. You can tell when a team just does not have talent. And with this Bucks team, they just have too much talent at too many position groups right now to really say they are going to be as bad as some media outlets think they're going to be. I, I think that that's just the facts of what it is right now. Now, do they have some question marks specifically at the quarterback position and some other stuff? Yeah, of course they do. Absolutely. But, but whenever you look at the core pieces of this team still holds together pretty well in terms of overall talent on this roster. Yeah, very well said. I think people are still a little shell-shocked because it's like, oh, my God, Tom Brady's not there. They're going to absolutely crumble. And it's like, I understand Brady's not there and that's scary, but it doesn't mean that they're absolutely going to falter. There's still a great roster around them. And I think the other part of it is, well, you had Brady last year and they still weren't that good. And to that point, you know, it's kind of all about 
the man that we're going to be talking about tomorrow, Dave Canales, who's going to be on the Pewter Report podcast at 7 p.m., and what that offense can do, how it's going to change. It doesn't necessarily mean that Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask or whoever you know wins the job is going to be better than Tom Brady. But when you have a much more advantageous offense that's better suited to NFL in 2023 – then you you know have the ingredients for something uh, something to work here for the Buccaneers. I look at last season, and by the way, again, special guest Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales joining us tomorrow at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So get ready for that one. Um, I think what's important too is, like for example, uh, I, I wrote an article today. Bucky Brooks, uh, NFL uh, NFL.com writer. Um, he had a he had an article. It was very interesting. It was about the top ten non quarterbacks that are uh, championship building blocks already. And the, some of the stipulations outside of not being a quarterback was um, you have to be twenty six years or younger. So we're talking about still very young players. And it's if you're building your team for the next five years. So that kind of goes hand in hand with the twenty six years old. And Tristan Wirfs, believe it or not, made that team. Uh, I'm not going to give away the whole list. So you can check it out on NFL.com. But on that list, Worse was the only guy that has already won a Super Bowl. Everybody else hadn't even made it except for two guys, uh, Nick Bosa and Jamar Chase, but they both lost in those events. But then I was thinking, James, I'm curious to get your opinion on it. Like, how could you say that the Bucs... Okay, if Tristan Worse is the number one guy to be a championship block, how can you say that about a roster that has so many players still on it that won a Super Bowl and that are still young. Like, if you look at that Bucks defensive team in 2020, more than most of the guys that started on that team are still on the roster right now, including Anton Winfield Jr. and, and, and the quarterback. So you have a lot of championship blocks, not top 10 maybe, but, uh, you know, this team's still built to win now. Yeah, and that's something, you know, I, I talked about a moment ago where it's like, yeah, a lot of young guys on this team got to win a Super Bowl. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield Jr. Bidve, I still think, is is a, you know, a championship building block. Tristan Wirfs, you know, and the names can go can go on and on and on here of guys that were there for that Super Bowl run literally just a couple of seasons ago and are still going to be with this team for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I, I think that definitely you, you you still consider this core, you know, definitely a, a core that can be championship caliber in, in terms of what we've seen from the past, in terms of overall ability and play. And also the fact that these guys have won a championship together yeah. before, you know, we we've seen situations where Super Bowl teams and championship teams fall apart very, very quickly in some instances Hasn't been the case with the Buccaneers the past couple of years. While you have had some guys leave via free agency, the Bucs have done a lot of work in keeping a lot of those good young core pieces that helped them win that championship together so far. Absolutely. And every team's going to have change every single year. That's just the nature of the business. You go and get a contract. You go and get what you feel that, um, that you are worth. But absolutely, they've been able to keep the main core of guys and you want to win the Super Bowl every year. That's, that's understandable, but that's just the reality is it's not going to happen. Like there's so much parity in the league. Dynasties are so few and far between even all those great Patriots teams, as much as I hate to say it, you know, the most they won was two or three in a row or three in four years. It's not like you have, you know, Michael Jordan and the bulls where, they won, what, six in eight years, and the only reason why they didn't win six in a row is because Jordan retired or went to go play baseball. So, um, you know, you just don't really see that in the NFL that much, even going back to, like, the great Steelers teams and, and Cowboys and things of that nature. It's all about making sure that your success goes for a long time. You have sustainable success is what I'm really trying to say. And um, this first guy has been a part of the sustainable success for at least the past couple of years, so... Uh, one of my first choices in terms of just the off-season winners, um, he was on the graphic, if you saw, and that was Chris. Well, actually, he's not on the graphic. I thought that was Chris Godwin. That's actually Trey Palmer. We'll get to Trey Palmer in a little bit because um, I do think he should be on this list as well. But you heard me say his first name, Chris Godwin, as you see him standing next to Mike Evans in this picture. I think Chris Godwin was one of the, the all-stars of – the off season or one of the winners of training camp, whatever you want to call it, or 
uh, minicamp in this case, just for the fact that he was out there every single day. You know, a lot of the OTAs was optional. And sure, you saw a lot of the new guys, whether it was Baker or Ryan Neal. And, and like I said, newcomers to the team. But Chris Godwin was out there every single day when Mike Evans wasn't there, when Russell Gage wasn't available, when Ryan Jensen wasn't playing. And it just showed like his appreciation of the game because it got taken away from him for a little bit with that ACL injury. And he's coming in with a whole new mindset this year for this offseason. And uh, Chris Godwin, I think just being out there uh, makes him a winner in, in this conversation. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show the the overall – you know, like you said, love that Chris Godwin has or being out there on the field. And that isn't to say that the other guys who weren't out there don't love football or anything right. like that. But Godwin, obviously, coming back from that injury last year, I think he even said in press conferences, you know, during the mandatory minicamp and whatnot, that he was feeling really good, that he was just, you know, really happy to be out there and whatnot. So, yeah, no, and typically, you know, it's not all the time you see star receivers specifically, Matt like Godwin, Evans, and some of the other guys that are out there for these types of of workouts in some situations. So Godwin being out there is, one, just a cool thing to see for himself, but two, it can be extremely beneficial to all the undrafted wide receivers, to some of the, just every new guy coming in in that wide receiver room, uh, young guys, that is, will be able to pick the brain uh, and the mind of Chris Godwin and just, kind of be able to learn from him and even more opportunities. So I think that that is a very good thing to see on multiple levels from Godwin. Shaggy saying uh, Godwin looking fully recovered. Yeah, he said during his press conference that he was about 99% of the way there. And that's the other angle of this, really, what you just mentioned about so many of the young guys is, you know, Chris Godwin for the longest time, you know, he was the new kid on the block. He was the young guy learning from Mike Evans. So, it was almost weird to him or just foreign to him to be the veteran player that so many people um, look up to. And I, I just think it's, you know, he said he's 99% there. I'm wondering what that 1% of why he's not there. Is it mental or physical? If I had to guess, I think it's the mental side because he talked a lot about just, you know, going into this offseason just working out his body, not having to worry specifically rehabbing his knee or how he's going to feel if he cuts a certain way or, you know, when he takes a hit in, in training camp or in a preseason game or, you know, the first game of the regular season when he finally got going. All of that is gone. And so I wonder if that 1% is, is just like, oh, can I be my old self again like he was in 2019? and 2020 but uh you know i very exciting for chris godwin i think it's gonna have a big time bounce back year in a season where he made the most catches in franchise history uh but i think he's gonna be effective in a much different way let's stick with the wide receivers though um this guy you saw on the graphic i thought trey palmer was super impressive when he was out there james just uh what's your take on him and and his overall performance of otas and uh, and minicamp yeah, well, I think overall, first, you see the speed, right? And everybody knew that that was going to be the case from Trey Palmer coming out of the NFL draft was this dude was going to be fast, right? And the Bucs had lost a lot of wide receiver depth in free agency. You know, a lot of guys went to a lot of different places, and they had a need at, let's say, fourth, fifth wide receiver behind the trio of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. They needed a couple of extra guys. And, you know, they have some undrafted guys. In the past, Evan Tompkins, Kalen Geiger, they, they brought in David Moore, but Trey Palmer was brought in and you knew people right away were excited. And so far, you know, he has definitely been able to showcase a lot of good ability in terms yeah. of, of round running ability, in terms of that speed. I, I know one thing that, you know, we talked about uh, with uh, Jamel Dean's press conference was comparing his speed to Trey Palmer's speed, you know, because those guys, two of those guys, Jamel Dean and Trey Palmer are probably the two fastest guys on the roster yeah. right now. Like <laughs> it, it, it just is a really good fit for this offense. And especially with a lot of the West coast style that potentially the Buccaneers may run. I think Trey Palmer can be used in a lot of different ways as well, which will make him even more valuable to this offense. So, so far, yeah, I think he has certainly looked very impressive whenever you look at overall his ability and that speed is certainly notable as well, Matt. Yeah, that's something I'm very interested in asking Dave Canales tomorrow on the show is particularly with the young guys or a rookie in this case with Trey Palmer. 
are they picking up the 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 new playbook, the new scheme on the right at the right pace, or are they already like ahead of schedule from what he expected? Because when we watch Trey Palmer out there, he looks super, super comfortable already. Like he was catching touchdown passes. There was a couple of where he didn't make the play, but I truly think that's just more learning experience than anything else. But when he's got a couple scores in the bag and they came in different ways, one was deep down the field where broken coverage, he knew where to beat it and he was just wide open. He made the play. Others were like diving, sliding catches. So he's done a little bit of everything. I'm just curious. Once you get the playbook down, I, I, I imagine much like with Godwin, just overcoming an injury. Once you understand the playbook, you're not even really thinking anymore. You're just kind of like reacting to everything. And I'm curious if that's what Trey Palmer is going through at the moment. Um, It'll be exciting to see when he gets the pads on too, because anyone can run around in shorts and look good, but you know, let's see what he's looking at at the next level. Once uh, the physicality definitely ramps up, especially when the bucks have two pretty physical corners with um, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, for sure. I also want to give a quick, Honorable mention to David Moore, Um, you know, veteran guy comes from that Canales type of offense. I think he might make the team, James. I really do. I think he might make that last spot. So my thoughts on David Moore. Well, well, first, I remember specifically me and you sitting there at I think it was the last mandatory minicamp practice or maybe the second one. David Moore had a couple of really nice catches where he was just going up and getting it. And that was very impressive to see. Um, Matt, just for me, whenever I had seen the signing of David Moore to the Bucks, I, I had already thought just right off the bat, I think this guy is going to make the roster. Reason for that is because I think that in the back half of that Buccaneers wide receiver room, they're missing a veteran. More importantly, yes, David Moore, not only is he a veteran wide receiver, I believe he's 28 years old, something along those lines, but he is familiar with this offensive coaching staff. He has got a lot of momentum in his favor to make this roster. And I think that I agree with you there. I think that David Moore will make this 53 man roster at the end of the day, just because of the overall ability that he's shown in some instances, his familiarity with this Buccaneers offensive coaching staff as well, I think gives him a lot of positive momentum. I would think at worst, he is a guy on your practice squad that you're elevating a couple of times throughout the year, or maybe even eventually promoting him to the 53 man roster, just because of that veteran presence in that room at the back half of your wide receiver room and being able to teach some of those guys and really almost be like a player coach in a way in terms of helping those young guys learn the offense and and get familiar with the coaching staff and heck even helping the established guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Russell Gage help get integrated with the offensive coaching staff as well. He's an excellent bridge for all of those different types of things. And, And overall, I think he's looked pretty solid so far. With that question, I agree with what you're saying, and I like when the Bucks go the veteran route um, in terms of bringing in someone that either has experience in a specific style of like offense or just overall experience because you've been in the league for so long. We've seen it work to varying degrees. I mean, obviously, Indomitian Sue's impact on Vita Vea and the defensive line in general was fantastic. Um This to a lesser degree, but I really think Richard Sherman, I know he wasn't here for very long and he got injured, but his personality, his attitude, I think it rubbed off on the Bucs secondary the right way where it motivated everyone to really be at their best. And, you know, ultimately they didn't win the whole prize that season, but I, I thought Sherman being there was advantageous to some of the younger guys. One place it didn't necessarily work was like bringing in Kyle Rudolph as another veteran tight end with the group last year. But odds are, if you bring in a veteran, it's it's going to help you out. Well, I'll give you another example. Shaq Mason with Tristan Wirfs. I mean, Wirfs gelled phenomenally with Mason and still even talked about it throughout the practices, you know, just a a few days ago, a week ago, something along those lines where he had talked about the chemistry between him and Shaq Mason. So like guys can even not it can even be in there for not that long and still have a pretty big effect on players around them. Like Tristan Wirfs learning from Shaq Mason and all the other examples that you'd given. So it it really can go a long way. And especially with some of these young guys who are ready to learn and, and, you know, can certainly benefit from having a veteran around them. It really does go a long way. I'm glad you mentioned Tristan Wirfs because he's another player that I have on this list in in terms of, 
winners of the offseason in terms of their their practice and performance um, on the field. We obviously know the big storyline, Tristan Wirfs moving over to the left side of the offensive line. And, you know, Tristan himself had a couple of doubts. He said he thinks every single day about, you know, what if it doesn't work out? What if, uh, you know, I kind of forget what to do because I'm on the other side. But, James, we've had a front row seat to watching him in practice, especially with the uh, – I think the individual drills are a little more interesting specifically for the offensive line than the 11-on-11s 11 because you can't really hit anyone anyway. And watching Tristan, the hand placement, the uh, the first steps, it looks like he's been playing left tackle for his whole career because I am not seeing anything at this point that makes me think that he's going to be anything less than – what he was on the right side, which is an all pro offensive tackle. Yeah. And that's the big, what if, right? That's the big experiment where if this does work out, firstly, Tristan Wirfs is going to get a bag. I mean, he is yes. going to get paid <laughs> so much freaking money. If he is just as good as a left tackle as he is a right tackle. But to your point, yeah, we've heard Tristan Wirfs talk about this a lot in terms of thinking a lot about how he is going to perform as a left tackle and the intricacies with that in terms of basically doing the reverse of what he has been doing his entire career. And how is that going to work out for him? That's a legitimate questions that obviously not just Bucks fans and media ask, but even Wirfs is asking that of himself. But Matt, to your point, Wirfs has looked good. We have seen a lot of positive stuff in my opinion to, you know, really think that, yeah, if he's going to be, obviously he's going to be given this a shot. The bucks are going to be given this a shot. And I think it does have a pretty good chance of working out here moving forward. And again, if it does, Firstly, Tristan Wirfs is insane in terms of yeah. his overall <laughs> talent. I mean, just put that guy in the ring of honor now, but two is that's so huge for this offensive line and, and Wirfs will get, you know, the benefit of this offense, getting the hand out of the quarterback's ball quicker, you know, got to think about that as well. But again, like you said, if he showcases that all pro right tackle ability playing over at left tackle one, he's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer for a long, long, long time. Uh, and number two, this Bucks offense, I think, one, in terms of expectations, can go leaps and bounds in terms of, of overall ability and what they can do. And, and overall play from having a left tackle like that is sky's the limit types of situations there, Matt. And I think the offensive line as a whole, I mean, there was a lot of flaws last year with the offense and with what Byron Leftwich was calling. And I think part of the issue was if you knew a player was struggling in a certain area, Leftwich still didn't shy away from going to that. I mean, how many times did the Bucs struggle on short yarded situations? And I'm not saying like they should have thrown it every single time, but you're running it behind Luke Gedeke and Luke Gedeke just struggled against some of the best defensive tackles in the league. And that's going to happen when you have a rookie against defensive tackles. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if Wirfs struggles in certain areas on the left side, whether it's, you know, a certain longer drop step by the quarterback on a passing play or, you know, a certain pitch to the outside or a certain formation where Tristan isn't as comfortable. Canals isn't going to keep running it to that side. And on the flip side, when you know that you have Gedeke a right tackle now and the jury's kind of definitely still out on him for what he's going to provide. And Cody Malk, let's be real. If Luke Gedeke struggled last year, Cody Malk can struggle just as much this season as the starting right guard if he ends up winning that job. But you know what? If he struggles as a pass protector, and that's kind of the you know the the book on Cody Malk right now, well, then they're not going to have certain rollouts where they're going to ask Cody Malk to block for a little bit longer. So I think Dave Canales in general is going to protect this offensive line uh, in so many different ways while still being very effective, and that kind of goes to the whole offense with you know, not being as vertical, shorter, mesh routes, and everything that we've already talked about. But to get back to Tristan, I mean, you talked about putting him uh, in the ring of honor. He is quickly building a Hall of Fame resume to the point where he's going to be the best offensive lineman in team history. I mean, when you think about it already, three seasons, he was or is a Super Bowl champion. He was first team all-rookie team. He was first-team All-Pro in his second year and second-team All-Pro all on the right side. If he moves to the left side and racks up a couple more Pro Bowls, 
gets another all-pro honor or two. I mean, the bragging rights are just being like, I was so great on the right, I moved over to the left, and I was just as good, if not even better. We're talking about quick, quick Hall of Fame resume type of uh, situations. Yeah, and I mean, what what a slam dunk pick from the Bucks, right? In terms oh, yeah. of in terms of that situation, Matt. I remember so many people had said at the time, "Well, why did they trade up one pick just to get a guy that they could have gotten with the next pick?" I mean, look, I don't think people are complaining much now about that, right? I mean, the guy has been phenomenal for the Bucks now for multiple seasons. Again, he's only been in the league for three years now, Matt, and the guy okay. has already done so freaking much with his career already i mean it's it's gonna be you know just a very interesting thing to watch the remainder of his career how it unfolds he's still got a long way to go very long he's only 24 yeah yeah he's he's only 24 and he's still got a long way to go and uh yeah so far he's been looking good at left tackle uh in terms of the uh voluntary workouts and whatnot he really has. Uh, it's very exciting to see with him because uh, you feel pretty good about Matt Filer. You feel pretty good about what Tristan can do if he puts it all together. And then it's it's like if Gattaki and if Malk pan out and if Ryan – I know these are big ifs, but if the ifs sway in the positive direction, you're looking at a nasty offensive line this year, kind of going back to that 2020 type of team, which will be super fun to watch. That draft class with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. as the first two picks is going to go down as maybe the best one-two combo that Jason Light has ever uh, you know, put together in terms of first and second round picks. I don't have Winfield on this list, but I do have two defensive players that I want to talk about kind of uh, in unison. We'll get to them in just a second because uh, first got to talk about our favorite Energy drink, of course, that is Celsius Energy Drink, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Make Celsius your number one pick with all the fantastic flavors that they have. Um, You see the Oasis vibe, sparkling lemon lime, and sparkling orange on the screen. You also can't go wrong with the cucumber, the strawberry lemonade. Arctic vibe is my personal favorite. There's an assortment of flavors to choose from. If you want to know where to get a Celsius energy energy drink, which, by the way, has zero sugar or preservatives, no uh, post jitters or post crash that you might get from another energy drink energy drink product out there. Excuse me. Um, go over to the store locator on the Celsius website. Punch in your address, and it will tell you the closest geographical location where you can find a Celsius energy drink. You can go get one at your local Walmart, Target convenience store, or your bodega. And then once you keep going to your bodega and you love those Celsius energy drinks, and you're like, I want them in bulk, they got you covered there too. If you go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and you can have Celsius sent to your place of residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast all right james the next two guys i want to talk about they play the same position which is why i'm kind of lumping them together and they are younger players but in terms of the linebacker position of course we we know the devin white saga um but we're not here to talk about devin white at the moment we have plenty of time to do that for the rest of the offseason someone had to play in place of um devin white uh next to levante david obviously levante was there one of them was Travassier Dennis, and the other one was KJ Britt. And these are two players that are clearly in very different situations in their career. Obviously, Travassier Dennis was a late-round pick in this year's draft, and he started out with a bang, going all the way back to rookie minicamp where he had an interception. And then the first day of uh, minicamp with everyone, mandatory minicamp, he had an interception as well. I think he is taking to the NFL rather fondly um, early on in his career. And then KJ Britt, someone that didn't start out to, uh, like he was fine, but he didn't do anything that really was a big splash play and then really put it together that last day. I know it was an abbreviated practice, but when they were going, everyone was going hard. He made a couple pass breakups. Just your thought on that whole linebacker situation. Uh, going into training camp outside of Levante and uh, Devin White. 
Yeah, well, firstly, in the case of Servasier Dennis, let's talk about him first. I mean, this is a guy where when he was drafted, you you look at the stats, you look at the overall tape, and you knew that this was the guy who was going to fit well in Todd Bull's defense as a tackler, as a coverage linebacker, as a blitzing linebacker. He had seven sacks, I believe, in his final year in college. I mean, this is a guy that was tailor-made for Todd Bowles and the exotic defenses that he runs and all the different types of pressures that he likes to send from different guys like corners, safeties, linebackers in this instance. Servasia Dennis was going to do a really good job. And every single time I've heard people talk about Servasia, this can be Kalaja Kansi, his teammate from Pitt, any other player that has interacted with Servasia Dennis throughout these voluntary and mandatory workouts have spoken volumes to the overall ability and leadership qualities that Dennis has showcased, not just in college, but also coming now into the NFL. So Servasia Dennis has got a lot, and I mean a lot of momentum on his side, and it's been a very interesting thing to follow so far to this point i i think that you could say honest to goodness matt that servasia dennis is probably one of the biggest winners if not the biggest winner so far up to this point in terms of overall uh, showcasing ability and really making an impact in a short amount of time servasia dennis has been that guy now will that continue we're gonna have to wait and see going into training camp and whatnot that's gonna be great experience for servasia dennis there but also want to talk about kj Britt as well because like you said Last day of that mandatory minicamp, he was making a couple of plays, batting some passes down at the line of scrimmage, showing yeah. some good pass coverage ability, just overall looking like a pretty good backup linebacker. And that's the biggest thing right now is that those two guys are going to be battling for that third inside linebacker spot. And Matt, I think it's shaping up to be one heck of a training camp battle because both those guys have been showcasing some good abilities. Both are former fifth round picks and I think that both have a lot of good, positive momentum in their favor right now. I think Servassier definitely has made some more plays so far than K.J. Britt, but K.J. Britt has that experience in Todd Bowles' defense and has the the kind of multiple different roles that he's already played. And heck, he, he was already in that rotation last year as well. So it, it's definitely both guys have different things going for them and should be one of the most fun and most interesting training camp battles to watch here in the next month or so. Wayne Hackinson says Dennis may be very good in time. I agree with that. I think he's got all the proper traits, both mentally and physically to, to be a top guy. And King cook says Servassier tape just pops all over the place. We got one in him. And we talked about for a long time that Jason light needed to uh, really find some diamonds in the rough in this year's draft. And, Servasia Dennis would definitely fill that mold. In terms of competitions this year for starters, this one I think definitely goes under the radar because it's it's not a starting position. We're talking about third inside linebacker. And when you have the starting quarterback, you know, and uh, who's going to be the the nickel corner and, you know, will Kalijah Kansi start right away or, you know, how the Bucs will go about that and the kicker competition. There's a lot more that kind of immediately impact the Bucs before you get to Servasier Dennis versus K.J. Britt. But obviously with the whole Devin White situation, it throws a wrench into the whole the whole machine because if Devin decide, if something happens with Devin where he ends up not playing, and let's remember he just had a hold-in. Todd Bolsa said it wasn't a hold-in, but we all know it was a hold-in. If Devin ends up not playing, well, then inside linebacker ends up being – Maybe the most important competition after Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. So uh, this next person I'm going to talk about is another inside linebacker, but he's on this list not for what he did during practice or during mandatory minicamp, but for his press conference after mandatory minicamp. And that is team captain and longest tenured Buccaneer, Levante David, for how he handled the entire Devin White situation. Uh, because Levante has done thousands of interviews and press conferences at this point, and he doesn't give a ton away. But this one, I really felt like Levante meant everything that he said when talking about Devin White. Um, what was your opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, look, he you know, had said that Devin White's emotions had gotten the better of him, right? And was just very open 
right with that situation and just looking to be a mentor to Devin White and and just trying to be that leader that everybody knows Levante David to be right so it was certainly some interesting quotes and some interesting thoughts from Levante David on that situation one thing that I think was also pretty telling as well was you know Levante David saying that you know hey Devin White wants to play essentially and that you know he just needs to get his mind set in the right place right Matt like that mm-hmm was some very interesting stuff there from David, where again, like you said, he's a guy where he's talked to the media so many different times in his life, you know, and he doesn't have to kind of go out there and, and kind of put some, let's just say heavier quotes out there in terms of, in, in terms of, you know, that type of situation, it it can be much easier just to say, Hey man, that's, I'm just here to play, you know, but, but Devin White being the leader that he is kind of took it upon himself to kind of, you know, one help Devin White through that situation and kind of guide him through that. And, and two also just be a leader whenever it matters most. And that's in front of the media. And that's kind of, you know, being a guy who who will answer those really tough questions and take on some of that responsibility to, to you know inform people of what's going on. So yeah, really huge moment there for Levante David, which which I think was, you know, again like what Wayne's saying in the chat here did very well in that press conference for sure. Right, I appreciate how Levante went about it because he yeah. easily could have just been like, yeah, it's a business, we understand it, I hope it works out. But it hits harder when he's like, yeah, Levante's not, uh, sorry, yeah, Devin White's not 100% right. And it kind of goes back to what Larry Foote was saying. was like, man, this is just champagne problems right now. Right. And Levante's been there to clean up a lot of messes for Devin on the field. And this one, he definitely cleaned up certain messes for Devin when he was like, Devin wants to be here. He's a team player. All he wants to do is play. And it's like, well, no, he doesn't exactly because he's here right now and he still could practice if he wanted to. So he definitely cleaned up a little bit of Devin's mess. But then he also, in the most peaceful way, let Devin have it as well by being like, you're being too emotional. You know, you got to stop saying things publicly. You're letting it get the best of you. And he turned it into a way of giving Devin advice without harping on him by finishing up by saying, this is why we care about you. This is how much you mean to our team and, uh, you know, everything in terms of that. So as Wayne also says, the real team captain, Levante David. So, yeah, a, a lot of great stuff from Levante David. Someone new that's given us a lot of great stuff. Another winner. We're in the press conference portion uh, of this episode of, of who was one. We've already promoted him a couple times, but a breath of fresh air, clear cut, defined answers and responses. Just talking to Dave Canales in these press conferences has been such, such fun. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to Dave Canales, getting to meet him, um, you know, after press conferences as well and, and chatting with him behind the scenes. I mean, Every single response he gives James is something that's like thought out. It's deliberate. It's not a canned answer. There's credence to it. There's uh, an, a level of importance where really you just learn something every single time. So Dave Canales is a big winner from his introductory press conference to the couple of press conferences we've had with him after um, he's been an absolute, just fantastic interview to, uh, to get to talk to. Yeah. And that's what makes, firstly, that's what makes the show tomorrow. So enticing and interesting to watch folks. If you guys, you know, are ready for this, you know, go ahead and let us know in the chat as well. Dave Canal is going to be on the Peter report podcast tomorrow at what time Matt? 7 PM Eastern standard time. We got fans all over. So we all are on uh, Eastern standard time. So uh, yeah, seven o'clock. Very, very excited for coach canals. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why it's going to be such an interesting podcast tomorrow, right, is because of how he has just been so open, honest, transparent with the media. I think that that has been a, a very refreshing thing to see, right? And 
you know, again, not to throw anybody under the bus too much, but yeah. you look at the offensive coordinator last year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you had a lot of vagueness with a lot of situations. And in some cases, the best answer that was given was, I don't know. And that's not necessarily a good thing, Matt. Yeah. But, with, <laughs> but, but with Dave Canales here, you, you have, like you said, well-thought-out explanations and real care in the answers that are given. I, I think that Dave Canales has really just been, uh, again, you know, in, in all aspects, uh, you know, in terms of talking to the media, a breath of fresh air, in terms of interacting and in practice, you hear players talk yes. about it all the time. The guys moving around just as much as the players are, where even the players are going, holy crap, like this guy can really move around and stick with us. That's crazy. Matt, even me and you saw Dave Canales running around on certain things, whenever he's cover, covering guys, wide receivers or something on end zone plays, he's running right with them. Like, you know, if somebody's running for a long touchdown, he's running right with them. It, it, it really has been so much fun to watch, so much fun to interact with Coach Canales as well, which again, makes it that much more, you know, intriguing for tomorrow's podcast, because I really do think that he has been, Again, just really big personality in a positive way for the Bucks so far. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Just big personality, but in a, an extremely humbling way, too. Yeah. It's, it's not like this is my offense and we're going to be great because everything I called, it's been nothing like that. And yeah, I don't know how he, he doesn't get tired of practice when he's running around with everybody. And I appreciate his sincere honesty as well. I mean, most specifically with, the quarterback competition. You know, he acknowledged that Baker has gone through some tough times, but then he also spoke about what he loves about Baker and how he had a personal conversation with Baker about resiliency and just love for the game and how he talked about how he loves Baker's swagger. And, you know, when talking about Kyle Trask, he said, yeah, part of me wishes that Kyle Trask got a lot more snaps in the NFL because I can only go by what he did in college. But you know what? When he was playing in college for Florida, he was doing a pretty damn good job with a lot of weapons around him. So, you know, he was super complimentary of the quarterbacks, hyping them up the way that he should without also being blind to the flaws that I think both of these players have, which brings me to the next two players that I'll lump in together. It's the quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I'm curious to get your thoughts, James, on it. I'll just say it briefly. Baker, I think we've seen a lot of sides to him, his, you know, his cockiness and his chip on a shoulder type of demeanor, while also understanding that this is his last shot and he's got to fit in with everyone around him. And Kyle Trask, I think just showing that he's not going to be intimidated by Baker, um, that yes, he's calm, cool and collected, but he can still make things work. I think he answered some of the heat when he got asked about being a deliberate learner or like they, you know, you were a third stringer. What makes you the, a starter now? What makes you a good leader? Are you communicating with other guys? I, I think he's he's handled some of the the tough questions pretty well. But what were your thoughts on, on both of these quarterbacks? Since you know we've gotten to speak to them a couple of times. Yeah, well, my impression of both of them has been one. Let's let's first talk about Baker. Firstly, with Baker, you know, a lot of people have said the Baker Mayfield, like you said, the cockiness, the arrogance of Baker Mayfield. But from what I've seen from Baker so far up to this point, Matt, I'm not going to say it's a humbling, right? But it's a guy who just is comfortable in the situation that he is in. Yeah. Right. And, and he, he seems to be happy in this moment, right? He just seems like he is mellow in this moment and he's very comfortable with the situation that he is in uh, which i think is is a very interesting and i think a very positive thing to see from a guy who like you said matt baker's not in the easiest of situations no. this is his last chance as a starting quarterback pretty much point blank simple as that man and yeah. he's coming in and he is still you know not being really tense He's not being really like over the top in terms of, you know, being on edge and stuff like that. He is just there doing his part and just kind of going with the motions essentially in a, in a positive way, right? Just, just being a guy there, being comfortable in that mo moment. Charlie gets a good point here. seems like he's embracing it. Yeah. He's embracing this situation. Um, and, and, and really it's been very positive to see so far in the case of Trask again, much like what we just said about Baker, Matt, 
Trask is in a very difficult situation as well because he hasn't started for a couple of years. There is so much pressure on Kyle Trask, former second round pick. A lot of people expect you to be this guy and a lot of people you know, expect you to be this starting quarterback as well. And if you're not, what does that mean for your NFL future? That is a pretty legitimate question there. But again, much like what we've been talking about, much like what you said, Trask in these press conferences, has been very calm, very relaxed, very poised. Seems like he is, you know, certainly taken a lot from the guys that he's learned from the past couple of years and Griffin, Gabbert, obviously Brady. And he, the confident, you know, like calmly yeah. confident, you know, not over the top confident, but comfortably confident, I think is a good thing with both of these guys. You know, you don't get that vibe of them. Like, oh man, we're going head to head. We we we're we're competing to the absolute fullest to the point where we like don't get along and there's right. no chemistry there, which you have seen in quarterback competitions in the past. This feels like a healthy quarterback competition where the entire room's got some good chemistry. You know, all those guys are gonna give it their all. And, you know, these guys are definitely embracing this competition, not to the point where it is keeping them on edge and you know, having them re, you know, be really stressed out and, and having, you know, that be very noticeable when talking to the media, both guys seem like they are very comfortable in their respective situations. That speaks to just their personalities. Cause I think if, if, you know, Trask wasn't as laid back or if, if uh, Baker wasn't as kind of, you know, humble about everything, I think this could go kind of very, very sideways. So uh, I, I think that's a really good point you make there. You know, it says comfortably numb. Uh, that's a funny point. Obviously, the the Pink Floyd song. It's also uh, a song that plays in The Sopranos in a very specific scene in a car ride with Tony and Christopher. But I won't uh, spoil anything else from there. Uh, I do like this question from Big Jersey 84 who says, if Canals has a good year, do we have to worry about losing the offensive coordinator already? I will just say, I think you need more than one year to prove it. But if he has two good years, he could be out after two, definitely three. But James, what do you think? Yeah, I think that that's, I don't think after one year, right? I don't think that that's necessarily a thing. One really good example is the offense coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, he had a fantastic year last year in terms of calling plays. And there was some interest in terms of head coaching opportunities, but didn't ultimately get a job. I think Dave Canales, you know, needs a little bit more time in terms of being an OC, like Matt was saying, two, three years, something along those lines. I think that then, you know, real considerations may be there in terms of head coaching opportunities in the future, because Dave Canales certainly has that type of personality in terms of you know, being a really solid head coach personality wise, but he certainly got to get a little bit more experience under his belt in terms of having more responsibility regarding just an offense, let alone an entire team. Yeah. He's never called the play as an offensive coordinator before in the NFL. So he needs to, you know, accomplish that first, but if the team does well, then, you know, that becomes a problem for any successful team, not just the bucks specifically, but of course, if Dave Canales ends up down the future, getting uh, in the future, getting, you know, consideration for a head coaching job, that means that the Bucs, at least offensively, are doing pretty well and scoring uh, a lot of points. So uh, you may want to look into the over of all the games that the Bucs are playing. And of course, if you're going to bet on the over or any Bucs game, make sure you're doing it over at mybookie.ag. And they got the, uh, my bookie i casino as well the online casino we've all been there before a weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling well my bookie's new and approved online casino is here to change the game dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots progressive jackpots and the live dealer action all from the comfort of your own home take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards the MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands. And the best part is you don't even need to wear pants, but please wear pants or shorts. You're cool. Uh, your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, everybody, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cash back offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. 
The more you play, the more you win. So play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino. And of course, if you use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, you can get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus at MyBookie. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So go to MyBookie.ag, use that promo code Pewter. There are two more players that I want to talk about as we wrap up the show on the defensive side of the football. That's safety Ryan Neal and Jamel Dean. Now, we know Jamel Dean, so we'll get to him in just a moment. But Ryan Neal, from his first introductory press conference a couple months ago to speaking to him last week, this guy is just so exciting to be around. Another charismatic, confident, personable dude that I think is going to fit in great with this defense. He's all about you know, verbal expressions with everyone else around. We know communication is key when it comes to this Bucks defense. Um, and the fact that he's an undrafted free agent and he's in a room with all undrafted free agents at safety, except for Antoine Winfield Jr., I think he's going to be an extremely great mentor and just an awesome personality on this team. And that's something he talked about, too, in his press conference, Matt, taking those undrafted free agent guys under his wing, essentially, and kind of showing them the ropes in terms of what to do as a professional in the NFL and and how to handle your first year in the league and all those different types of things. Right. I mean, gosh, I remember, Matt, you know, Ryan Neal was naming off basically every single guy in the safety room in terms of guys who had impressed yeah. him and, and guys that he was ready to teach and, and, and kind of build up as well. And and that's been such an interesting situation to follow the backup safety room with, again, a lot of guys who have a lot to prove and don't have a lot experience right now that are either freshly undrafted guys or in the case of you know nolan turner a guy coming into his second year who still has a lot to prove as well so ryan neal being that guy coming in taking those guys under his wing still only like 26 years old by the way so he can he can be a piece for the tampa bay buccaneers for for a good uh you know while as well but him antoine winfield jr seems like they could be a really really solid duo at that safety room because a lot of people may not know this, but last year, Pro Football Focus's overall grades, Ryan Neal was one of the top safeties in the entirety of the league. I think, in fact, for the last eight weeks of the year, something like that, he was the top safety in the NFL. So this dude has a lot of ability. Can't believe the Buccaneers got him for the contract that they gave him. Yeah. Definitely reminds me of a Shaq Barrett-esque situation in terms of signing that prove-it type of deal and really coming in and showcasing great ability. Ryan Neal has all the makings of a very similar situation. That's everything he's been looking for. He's going into his sixth season in the NFL. He started out uh, as an undrafted free agent with the Eagles, but he got cut like in August, went to the Falcons for a season. And that was with the Seahawks. So he's always been a special teams player, you know, third, fourth string guy on the depth chart behind other guys. He got the play last year because Seattle had a lot of guys get injured, um, primarily at safety. But he's just looking for an opportunity to be a starter. He has it now with the Bucs. Like, he's going to be the starting safety next to Antoine Winfield Jr. It's not even – like, the Bucs won't outwardly say it. Todd Bowles won't be like, Ryan Neal's our starter. But we all know that he's going to be that starting safety. So I'm very excited to see uh, what he can do in uh, Tampa Bay's defense. Todd Bowles has spoken a lot about that. Um, You can check it out. I just put the article in the chat. I wrote a story today about Ryan Neal and uh, the undrafted free agents and and everything that went along with it. And last but not least, we'll end with Jamel Dean. Don't make a scene. Um, Got the big contract this year. He was super entertaining, and he's not just making this list because he was entertaining, but he was so much fun up there. Um, He just looks super comfortable, super confident. Um, He had this answer about who's the fastest on the team. He said him. They said who else is close, and he was like, well, it's tough to tell when everyone's behind you. Um, He talked about why he's still going to be just as hungry, even though he got that big contract. I'll play the video real quick for everybody. You know, I'm always fast, so, <laughs> so you know, I'm just trying to, like, speed up my game probably. So, I'm seeing the game better. I'm more confident now. So, I'm just looking forward to how the season goes. Jamel, are you still the fastest Buccaneer? Oh, well, definitely, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's not beating you on the team. Is there anybody close? Trey Palmer's got a fast 40 yeah. time. Is there any newcomers that have... I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to see people from behind when they're behind me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, I still believe that there's still left to accomplish, so I'm not I'm not going to hold back. I'm still going to improve my game because I still want to get Pro Bowl and also under my belt. So that's like my motivation to keep going and get better. 
just adds a little tweak so nobody have a B on this. Yeah. Is there gonna be another competition this year between the corners and the safeties for who gets more interceptions? Oh, season? most definitely. Like, I might even start that up like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jamel Dean has a lot of goals, James. You just you just love to see it. Yeah, and and one thing that wasn't in that clip was, you know, uh, Matt, I know you talked about it a lot, too, is him having aspirations of Pro Bowl, All-Pro, you know, those different types of goals. Like, Jamel Dean's got a lot going for him. And I think that really the mindset of Bucs fans for the past couple of years, Matt, has been like, this guy's the best cornerback on the team right now. Now, both him and Carlton Davis both got paid, right? And Davis is a very, very, very good corner in his own right in terms of physicality and overall size. But Dean has got the whole package, right? He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got the length. He's got just everything that you want in a top-tier corner. And right now, the Bucks really do have one of the best cornerback duos in the entirety of the NFL whenever you have Davis and Dean there. Now, obviously, nickel corner, that's still a bit of a question. That's going to be something that we'll be talking about a ton yeah. throughout the remainder of this offseason, you know, training camp, preseason, and whatnot. But you know, number one, number two, you got some good guys right now in Dean and in Carlton Davis. And like you said, Dean, just the overall personality, the charisma. One thing that has been so fun to watch, Matt, is the overall just, again, charisma, happiness, personality that we've seen from Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, Ryan Neal, Dave Canales, Jamel Dean. Like all yeah. these guys who have been speaking to the media have all had just fun quotes at one point or another. It definitely really gives off that vibe that, hey, these guys are out there. They're having a good time. They feel confident in their own abilities as well, not to the point of, let's say, arrogance, but they just feel, yes. re they feel really good about where they are at right now as a football team, and they're just out there having fun. Right. Comfortability is something that we've talked about, and, and I want to emphasize to everybody watching and stuff, you know, we're not here saying – Jamel Dean's great because he's entertaining us and doing like a five minute comedy set. You know, that's just like a fun extra little, you know, cherry on top type of things. But guys do feel loose. And especially that the way that last season ended, they could either come in and be pissed off and say, yeah, like we're putting our, our, you know, our nose to the grind, or they can kind of understand last year was an anomaly and we still have the confidence in our team. And I think that's what you're seeing with Canales here and, you know, Jamel being super chill. I got to play the creamsicle one real quick. He had a very funny response to uh, Bucks wearing the creamsicle jerseys this year. You know, I'm so excited to wear those, man. I've been waiting for years to wear them. I'm like, man, <laughs> I hope I'm on the team. Make brandy jerseys. So, you know, it's exciting because once I get it, I'm keeping it forever. Like, no jersey swap. I'm not jersey swap. Rare piece of item right now. Like, mm -hmm. we went like almost a decade without without them. Mm -hmm. So now when you see them bring them back, you're like, oh, we miss seeing these. And they got to keep them because you don't know when the next time we're going to bring them back. So I think the, the loose attitude is great. But there's going to be a time where it's going to be put up or shut up because you can't have another lackadaisical laissez-faire, miscues on the defense, miscommunications that lead this team to lose certain games. I mean, we already talked about it, but it's just the interceptions that are stopping the Bucks, or specifically Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean from those Pro Bowl and uh, All-Pro aspirations. I mean, over the last two years, Carlton Davis has had one interception each season. So he's had two in the last two. Jamel Dean's had four in the last two, so getting two um, per season the last two years. But he also only had two in one game uh, in week two, so I'm saying two a lot just because of that. Um, but if they want to get to that next level, it's got to be with the interceptions. And we'll see, again, put up or shut up if that's what they do uh, this upcoming season. So we shall see. Yeah, just want to say this real quick before we wrap up is confidence to the point of complacency, you know, is something that can be a dangerous thing, right? Yes. If you're confident to the point where you're complacent in your overall play and, and in your overall just routine and whatnot, that's where you start running into issues, Matt. So the Bucks have got to be careful, right? Now, obviously, we're so early on in the offseason workouts yeah. that it's, you know, definitely not really a, a huge thing right now. But that's one thing that's going to be worth paying attention to moving forward is making sure that that confidence, that looseness does not turn into that complacency where you do start running into some of those real issues. But right now, it's been, you know, really a lot of fun covering these guys. It absolutely has been. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. You talked about paying attention. Pay attention to tomorrow's episode 
at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We have Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales on the show. You're not going to want to miss that one. He's been a great interview so far. It's going to be awesome to have him making his debut on the Pewter Report podcast at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. And please make sure while you're at it, uh, please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pewter Report. And of course, our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. James has been doing a fantastic job putting up videos, and we always got a lot of content out, whether it's the podcast, shorts, or just other clips that uh, that Bucks fans have been wanting to see that we've been putting up. Um, so, yeah, a lot of exciting things coming up that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. For James Hill, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Dave Canals, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Out. <laughs>